this. That's absolutely no problem at all. So, look, we'll get back into it. We improvise, we adapt, we overcome. Sorry about that. A few technical issues. Um, yeah, I think that high-pitched um, noise that I could hear might have been the microphone just deciding not to work. But we are back in. So, thank you for your patience there. What I want to go into this evening is, quite frankly, like I was saying before, before we got rudely cut off, if you could hear me at all, was when we look at the health and fitness industry, there are certain people and messages that just don't serve us particularly well. And what I mean by that is a lot of people like to think that they are the answer to a lot of everybody's questions and problems, but they then put those answers behind paywalls and subscriptions and bits and pieces like that. Now, yes, obviously, I'm granted that you're all here inside the Adventure Coaches Paying Members, but what I want to get across here is a little bit more of my overall message for the health and fitness world, a little bit more of the world according to Ben, just to put some personality behind the information that I feel is best for you. Now, for a lot of people, we are looking at addressing nutrition. And when we're addressing nutrition, folks, we don't always need to be tracking calories. There are, there are more than one ways to skin a cat. If you're looking to lose or manipulate weight, you can look at tracking calories, you can look at tracking habits. When we look at tracking habits, we are looking at our habits around food. Now, quite frankly, we can make this as simple and easy as possible by just quite simply looking at parameters, welcome Claire, parameters around what it is that you're eating and how you're eating. Because if we don't want to sit and track all of our calories through one of these and put things into an app and we just don't have the time, that's cool. We don't need that. You know, we don't need to have to do that. But if it works for you, great. This is the beauty of more bespoke coaching. There's no two people here inside the adventure coach that are on the exact same plan here. And that's a good thing. Because what that means is that means that you're having individualized responses and coaching principles to make sure you're getting the best results. But a lot of people, they're like, right, I need to track, I need to do this, that, and the other. And quite frankly, you, you don't. For a lot of people, if we're looking to manipulate body weight, then tracking calories can help. But look, when we look at both sides of the coin, whether you're tracking calories or whether you're tracking habits, there's one underarching principle here that I was talking to, um, talking to um, a member before the other day. Ultimately, the underarching principle is this. You need to have an understanding of what makes up the food that you eat. You need to. Much like when you were in school and you were learning centimetres and metres before you learnt kilometres and miles, you need to understand the metrics of what makes up the thing that you're measuring and tracking. Because otherwise, it's a bit like going for a road trip. Let's say you want to go to Edinburgh, and let's say Edinburgh is about 500 miles away, right? Well, you need to make sure that first and foremost, you've got 500 miles of range in your car, but also you kind of need to get an understanding of what that distance looks like to make sure that your car can make it. Because the last thing you want to do is be firing up the M6, and all of a sudden your car runs out of petrol. Not a good place to be. But ultimately, when we look at that in the body, we need to make sure that we've got enough fuel. I heard an analogy the other day of somebody describing energy intake and energy availability as the battery in a phone. Now, currently, I have got 40% battery in my phone. I know that that's going to last me for the rest of the day, no problem at all. But if we're going and we're looking to track a certain distance, we're looking to track a certain journey, a certain activity, you need to make sure that you've got enough battery power in your phone. Or you're going to need to make sure that you can charge it as somewhere along that process, right? That is essentially what we're doing with energy balance. We need to make sure that we are maintaining 
good input versus the output that we are expending, i.e. eating well and moving well. Notice I didn't say eating less and moving more. What I need to make, make sure that people understand here is Calories are great, but calories aren't the, the be-all or end-all. You know, it, it's, it's one way of understanding energy balance. Ultimately, a lot of you here need to work on tidying up what you're eating. Not looking at micromanaging the inputs in the tiniest amounts. Because quite frankly, folks, if you improve what you're eating, you improve how you treat your body, then automatically you're going to start to see some of the results that you want to achieve. So let's say let's say you've got a little bit of weight that you want to lose. Well, as you're tidying up what you're eating and you're, you know, improving your relationship with plants and fiber and you're eating well, you're looking at more lean protein sources and you're just generally getting a good bunch of variety and some consistency and some routine in what it is that you're eating and you're cutting down crucially here the snacking in between main meals then automatically you're going to start to see shifts in body weight and body composition and feeling because a you've bought into a process b you are treating yourself better and therefore more invested in yourself emotionally financially and physically and c because you have started a routine and you have a set of habits around what you're doing you're more likely to stick to it. If we just say, right, track everything and crack on, how many people have started tracking things and gone, ooh, I don't really wanna to have to write that in there. And then they don't write it in there and either they eat it anyway, I see you, or they don't eat it because they're guilt, trip, guilt tripping themselves into it. There's pros and there's cons here. Obviously, the pro here is you didn't eat the thing and therefore you didn't treat your body like landfill and therefore you know, you're sticking to the plan. But the con here, folks, is is that action actually going to stick? Is it something that's going to stick with you as a process that's working for you? Or is it more of a case of, oh, do you know what, I'm just not going to eat it because, you know, I can do better than that. Is that helping us? The other side of that is, I don't eat that sort of stuff because, you know, I'm trying to improve this. And this is what I eat. Naturally, if I want a sweet fix, then I've got I don't know, yogurt and honey, for example, or I've got something else. Or do you know what? I can have a chocolate bar, but I'm fairly protective over when I decide to eat a chocolate bar because, you know, I want to enjoy it rather than eat it because it's there. When you change the habits around what you're doing, your routine and structure, everything else falls along the wayside. So everybody here that wants to alter their body state and their appearance and their body composition, you need to start by tidying up what you're eating first and do that for two or three weeks. Get some routine. You know, varying sort of repetitive principles that I will say here are maintaining consistent breakfasts. If you eat breakfast at all, you don't need to. There's no right or wrong answer. But if you are eating it, try and keep it to the same time, more or less. Try and keep it to the same stuff, more or less. To those days that you're working, eat the same breakfast. That's, that, that's not a bad thing. Because you can maximize your protein intake, great. You can maximize consistency, great. And you can maximize consistency in your portion sizes. Again, great, you can record and measure that. Brilliant, same thing every day, no problem. Breakfast is something you need to do and therefore you just do it. Because if you can maintain that consistency, brilliant. You're, you're, you're outsourcing so much other work. You don't need to think about other things. You don't need to buy other things. Life becomes simple. If you're sticking to three meals a day and you're eating breakfast, lunch and dinner, for example, again, you don't need to, but if this is what you're following, 
then make lunch really, really healthy. Make it obtusely healthy. Make it really mindful as to what you're eating. We're coming into sort of salad season now, aren't we? So have loads of things prepped. Get some loads of flavour in there. Get some mayonnaise and mix it with sriracha. Get some nori in there. Get some lemon in there. Get some nice dressing in there. You know, obviously being mindful of what those things are made up of, but eating for flavour as well as just function. Because the more you do that, the more you're going to buy into you treating your body well. The more you do that, the more you're going to reward yourself by just eating well and eating better. And then in the evening, every single person here needs to plan stuff. Plan what you're going to eat. Don't leave it. If you know that you, in your character, you can lose your shit around food sometimes and you start picking and snacking and stuff and cooking becomes cooking and snacking before you then actually eat down and eat, sit down and eat, plan what you're going to cook. Plan it. You don't necessarily need to batch cook on a Sunday for three hours. It's great if you can. Awesome. Makes your life so much easier. You don't need to. But at the very least, plan what you're going to eat in the evenings. Because when you plan what you're going to eat in the evenings, magical things happen. You outsource time. All of a sudden you have more time in your evenings. You're like, oh right, I know I'm going to have, I don't know, what did we have last night? We had Vietnamese barbecue tofu noodles. Sounds like a bit of a mouthful. It was delicious. But... It was planned. It was a meal deal from Tesco's. High in protein, it was delicious. And we had that. And we cooked it, we chucked all the stuff in the dishwasher, we sat outside, we ate our dinner, Bob's your uncle, job done. And because we had that plan in place, we had some consistency in what we were doing and what we were, how we were trying to treat our bodies. So before we look at tracking calories to the nth degree, tidy up what you're eating. Be mindful of what you're doing and how you're treating your body. Because the more you can get on board with that, then we can go, right, well, now I need to understand how much protein is in a chicken breast. You know, how many calories are in that portion of peanut butter that I have? You know, maybe I need to be mindful of certain things. Because I can't just swoop down here and say, be mindful of what you're eating. And then you're all of a sudden going to start losing weight or looking chiseled. You need to then look at that and put some parameters in place. And that brings me on to my next point, which is having too much of a protein focus. You know, we can all have, you know, ambitious protein goals. If you're 10 or 20 grams short, it really doesn't matter, team. It really doesn't matter. That's why nine times out of 10, you're going to see on your coaching strategies a range goal for protein, i.e. 100 to 120 grams, for example, rather than a set amount. The only time you're going to have a set amount is if I know you're going to use a tracking app and you need to have exact amounts for a tracking app to set it up. That's, that's all. Whether you hit them or not doesn't really matter. The fact that you're aiming for it is better. This is where the rules can become a little bit more lax. You don't need to be like one of those obnoxious people in a MyFitnessPal advert that I seem to be seeing all the bloody time now on Instagram, which is like, they'll have like their abs out. They'll be like, hey, this is how I stay this lean and chiseled. And I want 180 grams of protein per day. Have you seen what these people eat? Is such garbage. They don't eat well. They don't eat well. You know, what are these people having for breakfast? You've seen the adverts. If you haven't, welcome to the world. The fact that I've said it on your computer means that Google somewhere is listening and you'll, I guarantee you'll see it soon. And you'll be like, this is how I look like this when I eat 180 grams of protein. And then they're having a protein shake for breakfast followed by some protein 
uh, oats, followed by a protein bar that they've melted into the protein oats, followed by a protein coffee, followed by a protein snack, followed by a protein shake for lunch with some salmon, followed by chicken, followed by a protein shake, followed by a protein bar. You get the impression here. Obnoxious. These people are not helping anybody. And quite frankly, they're not treating their body like a million dollar racehorse. They're treating their body like a bodybuilder. Most people want to actually enjoy their lives as well. Go out and have an almond croissant at the weekend. Most people want to just improve their fitness and their capability to be able to go out and have some fun and still enjoy a beer, God forbid. This is where we don't need to focus one million percent just on protein. Snacks. If you're monitoring what you're eating, then yeah, prioritize maybe higher protein snacks if you want like a more substantial snack, like, I don't know, like uh, if you want to have like a boiled egg and carnation chicken or something in a pot, I don't know, whatever. Or if you just want to have something to just nibble on, get a tub of grapes from Sainsbury's on your way to work and nibble on those. You're getting some fiber, you're getting some micronutrients, you're getting some fruit, you're getting some good stuff in there without having to get a 280-ish calorie grenade bar from Tesco's. It's a time and a place for them, but we don't need to focus on them forever. If you want to go out on a Saturday morning and enjoy an almond croissant, I'm definitely in that camp, by the way. Go and do it. But we don't need to fixate to the nth degree on having to track calories and having to focus on protein. And I'll tell you right now, folks, if you're relatively lean and you want to lose, you know, around the... up to around five or six kilos, you don't need to track calories. You need to start by just tidying up what you're eating and you need to consistently do that for the next three weeks. In fact, that's my challenge for you. What are we in now? We're in the first week of May now. It's May the 5th. No, it's not May. What am I on about? April. It's April the 4th, not May the 5th. Come on, Ben. It's April the 4th. You know, by the end of April, take it to the last week, week commencing, um, week commencing the 24th. Tidy up what you're eating. Keep a food diary. Write it down. Get a pad and paper. And just write down, what am I eating today? This is what I'm eating. And be truthful with yourself. Don't bullshit yourself. Don't do a knee-jerk reaction and get a McDonald's breakfast. Don't come off a bloody, you know, long run or a hike or something and go to McDonald's. You can do better than that. You can do better than that. You can do better than that. Post hill snack for me is definitely tuna mayonnaise. Uh, I'm obsessed with nori at the moment. So a bit of nori in there. Tuna mayonnaise, nori, lime, and roasted potatoes. Mix those together, all cold. Mix those together and serve them on rye vita crackers is insanely good. Yes, high in protein, but ultimately delicious. Keeps hunger at bay and stops you from going to McDonald's on the way home for some chips. And you're doing the best thing you possibly can for your body. You are treating it well. Think kind of Mediterranean diet, you know, I, can't, I feel like it gets overplayed somewhat because, you know, ultimately what the hell is the Mediterranean diet? There are so many different parameters for what this Mediterranean diet is. Ultimately, you need to look outside of the overall diet. But the eating habits of cooking your own food, if you've got the time and the luxury to do so, getting lots of pr- prioritizing plants first, lean protein, mostly from fish, chicken and things like that. You know, and enjoying a bit of dark chocolate or a bit of red wine on the off chance every now and then. Go and enjoy it, 100%. But if you want to lose just a little bit of weight, dial in what you're eating. Work on that first. Just tidy things up. There's always space for improvement. Don't look for the next supplement. Cut everything back. 
if you're looking to have a bit of a reset and you're like, oh God, you know what? You know, I could do better. Then stop all supplements. Address your eating habits. Look at when you get takeouts. Be honest with yourself. This is not a self-loathing process. Be honest with yourself. Be objective. And say, look, okay, right. Okay, I go to McDonald's maybe once a week. Okay, that's fine. You know, work. They have this like greasy breakfast thing on a Friday. Oh, I do partake in that. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Um, dinner, okay, it's been a little bit spontaneous. The timings are a little bit spontaneous. Okay, be objective. Because what you're doing is you're putting yourself firmly in your own driver's seat to be able to process your own success. Because every time we have a conversation about this, all I'm going to do is fire questions at you and I'm going to fire these questions at you and you're going to come up with the answers because you're going to tell me where you're at. What I'm saying is you tell yourself where you're at and take action. Just tidy it up. You know where there are areas that you can do better. Don't stress out about having to track all the bloody time. Don't stress out about having to have protein 25,000 times a day. Prioritise protein in your three main meals per day, if you have three, maybe four, whatever your eating pattern is. Prioritise them there. Cut back the snacking. Address where you're eating. Find some consistency. And find one meal a day where you can just be obtusely healthy. Like, insult your work colleagues. It's so healthy and delicious and good. And it brings you a lot of joy. It's delicious. There's flavour. And if you need recipes, if you need ideas for this, I used to be a head chef running a restaurant. Send me a message. I guarantee I'll have a recipe for you or a new way of doing things. Guarantee it. And I welcome questions like that. I've had people like sending me pictures of vegetables and be like, what do I do with this? And come up with a recipe. That's what I'm here for, team. I'm here to help you with that. You know? So I feel like I've banged the nutrition drum hard enough there. We don't need to stress out on this. We just need to do better. And then if you've got potentially a little bit more weight that you want to lose, and we're looking at maybe 10 plus kilos that you want to lose, then yeah, you know, tracking works. Because tracking keeps you on the straight and narrow. In a world that's kind of full of loads of different foods and you've got loads of different things happening and coming at you all the time, what you need to prioritise is just making sure that you're eating the right amounts of food. First and foremost. No matter what that food is, and then along the way we can work on tidying that up to make sure there's nutritional adequacy. But if you're only looking to lose like up to around six-ish kilos, just tidy up what you're eating first. Do that for three weeks. If you're looking to lose more than that, dial in the calories, go back to your coaching strategies, look at the figures, plug them into an app and track. Do that for three weeks. And I promise you, you'll fall into a habit of eating because you do not need to track forever. A month max. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense, Tim. Uh, just comment in the uh, just drop me a comment. Let me know that makes sense. Tell me what resonates most with you. See if that applies to you. Just give me a bit of feedback so I know that I'm not talking to myself, and also that the sound works and it's not just because that'd be really annoying. And then we'll move on to the next point. So I'm going to give you a minute or so just to kind of catch up because I know there's going to be a bit of a lag between me talking and you hearing. Talk amongst yourselves. And then we will get stuck into the next point. But just let me know. Sarah's in with a thumbs. Excellent. Good stuff. Appreciate it, team. Because ultimately, what you get out of this process is what you put into it. You know? It's all me fine it's all fine and good me being enthusiastic and talking at you down the camera here. But 
it's what you take away from this. It's what you, it's what you apply to this after you've got this information. Because information without implementation is useless, right? So think about it now. Think about what I've just said and be like, right, okay, I now know I need to action X, Y, and Z. Now, I want to move on to the penultimate point, which is I heard this saying on a podcast, and it said, what you are searching for is also searching for you. And I thought that's really interesting because if we think, think about what it is that you're searching for, the version of you that you are searching for. Well, if you imagine that that version of you is also seeking you, then it puts into context, you know, when you're trying to change something and you're trying to do something, or you're trying to achieve something, or maybe you've got your eyes on like a race. Because we have visualized that and conceptualized that in our minds, what that's also doing is it's triggering something called our reticular activator in our brain. And then we start to see those things. And by saying what we're searching for is also searching for us, it's kind of conceptualizing that psychology. Because ultimately our brain is now filtering to only see those things that we want. So for example, I went through a phase a couple of years ago, I really, really wanted to get one of the, before I saw Sense, I really wanted to get a Discovery 4 in red with black wheels, because I thought they just looked the part. Loads of space in the back, throw bikes and dogs and stuff in there, amazing. I really, really wanted one. And it specifically wanted to be in red, and I wanted it with black wheels, because the red that they use, that Land Rover use, really nice, lovely bit of car. And then I realized just how unreliable they are. But because I was going through a phase of really wanting one, I saw them everywhere. That's not to say that all of a sudden some Discovery 4s have just materialised up to planet Earth. But my reticular activator has now got that filter on it. Much like when you're searching for hotels and you put the, the filter for pets, um, pets allowed on there. You put a mental filter on things and you start to see things. You're like, oh my god, there's another one there. Oh my god, I saw another Discovery 4 today. I saw another red one today. My goodness me. Because you start to see that, this conceptualizes and explains what, when you understand what you're searching for, you need to understand that it's also searching for you. That's the conception, uh, the concept behind it. That's what's happening. Something triggers in your reticular activator to say, right, I'm filtering that out so that I can start to find it. So when you say, actually, I want to, I've done my first trail run. I love trail running, actually. I, I, I want to become a trail runner. I want to do more of that. Well, then you start to see trail running more on maybe Instagram, on maybe your Discover feed. Maybe you start to see it more when you're out and about. You start to think about trails per se. You start to pay more attention in WH Smith, the trail running magazine, if anyone buys magazines anymore. You know, you start to see these things and it filters it. If you then start to see the best version of you that's doing a certain thing or going to a certain place or whatever that action or thing is you start to see that more because what you're searching for is also searching for you so it is in your best interest to continue pushing on this process and bring out your best self because there's a version of you that's looking for it and looking for you now maybe you've just started running and you're thinking oh, i've caught this running bug this is great i'm really enjoying this and you start to do more you start to find more races you're starting to see more excuses to go out for runs, you're starting to see trails differently. Because that future version of you is also searching for you on your journey forward. And the worst thing you can do is stop. And be like, oh, because we're all gonna have peaks and troughs, aren't we? 
We're all going to have peaks and drops of motivation, of energy, of general feeling, of psychology, mental health, physical health, injuries, illnesses. But when we go through these with a critical thinking mindset and a productive mindset to go, right, how do I get through this? Then you start to continue your progression forward. So that version of you in the future that's searching for you doesn't stop, doesn't get lost. If you go, right, this barrier's come up and I'm not doing anything, then guess what? There's a risk that that future version of you can get lost and it won't find you. Because you are putting barriers in your way, you're getting affected by the barriers that are in your way and you're stopping your progress. And that stopping the process is making that version, future version of you much further away. And it's getting further and further and further until it's completely diluted. And if it gets completely diluted, you can completely feel disillusioned and disconnected with what it is that you're trying to achieve in the first place. If you feel disconnected to what it is that you're trying to achieve, then we need to understand, well, first and foremost, why is that? What's going on in my life that's making me feel this way? What stresses are on my plate? Looking at the, the glass jar analogy. All the bits of rice and the frozen peas and the bits and pieces that are taking up all the space. What is that? What are the tennis balls that I can't fit in there? I'm doing the, the, the things that are most important to me that I'm not doing. And then remove all expectation from yourself to achieve anything and just go and do something. Because when we, re when we remove the expectation of what it is that we're trying to do, right, I've got to go for a run because I've got to run a marathon. No, you've got to go for a run because you want to go and enjoy a run. When you remove that expectation, you remove the self-induced pressure. Remember, I wrote the book on self-induced pressure in my life. You remove self-induced pressure so that you just go out for enjoyment. Because the best thing you can do at a point where you feel a little bit disconnected to what it is that you're trying to do is to go and do something just for enjoyment. Beautiful sunny days, go for a run in the sun. Feel the warmth on your arms, on your shoulders, on your legs, on your face, on your chest. And just be like, oh, do you know what? This is good. If you want to get out on the bike because you want to reconnect with the bike, just go out for the bike and just go and enjoy yourself. Go to a trail centre where you know you're going to have banging trails and just go and enjoy. If you want to go to the beach and do some sprints and go for a swim, do it. Do it. That's how we reconnect with what it is that we want to do. Because the disconnection isn't necessarily with the goal. The disconnection is with the person. The person we are trying to become. Stress does that. Busyness does that. Illness can do that. Inaction does that. And quite frankly, team, when it comes to... When it comes to reconnecting... We have to go back to doing the things that we know we can do. We know we enjoy. If I'm feeling a little disconnected with what it is I'm trying to do, I know I enjoy going running out on nice trails. I know I enjoy getting out on my bike. I know I enjoy going for a dip in the sea. I know I enjoy being outside doing something, hiking, climbing, whatever that is. So I have to go and do it. Remove all expectation, remove all pressure, go for something nice and simple. I go out and do it and achieve it. Box ticked. The fire has been rekindled. Does that make sense? Because the last thing that I want to talk about kind of relates to this quite heavily. And that is something that Alex Hormozzi says. And he says that you should be working harder on yourself than you are on your job. Now, this was also reinforced by another motivational speaker. He's an American called Zig Ziglar. He's got a fantastic name. I think that's hilarious for a name. Um, and... He said you should be working harder on your fortune than you are on your work. You know, part-time 
having side hustles, that sort of thing. And I think outside of business, if you're looking at working harder on yourself than you are on your job, you need to understand that, quite frankly, team, in the world according to Ben, jobs are things that are there to keep you busy, but not to define your life. I was speaking to, oh my goodness, who was it? I was having a chat at the weekend um, about Scandinavians and how when they introduced themselves, I think it was at the morning fitness club one morning, um, they were introducing themselves by their hobbies, not by their jobs. Scandinavians don't introduce themselves as their jobs. So for example, you know, uh, oh, I'm, a, I'm, I'm an IT technician, or oh, I'm a coach, or oh, I'm a you know, driver, or oh, I'm a, I don't know, police officer, whatever it is. That's not how they introduce themselves. They introduce themselves like, oh, I like hiking. I play football. Uh, I like to swim. They introduce themselves by a different element of their identity. Because a lot of people in the Western world, in the world according to Ben, neither Ben's rules for life right now, identify as their jobs. And that's just wrong. I'm, if you're proud of your job and you work harder and you've got far, I'm so unbelievably happy for you. I really am. And I'm not taking anything away from that. I love passion for the jobs. I have passion for my job here. I love it. But I am not my job. You are not your jobs. I am someone who loves adventurous things, endurance things. I like to go long and far. You know, what about you? How are you going to introduce yourself? Do you introduce yourself as the commercial manager? Do you introduce yourself as the manager? Do you introduce yourself as the PT? Do you introduce yourself as the police officer? Do you introduce yourself as the banker? Do you introduce yourself as the IT technician? Or do you introduce yourself as the mountaineer? The runner? Oh, I love trail running. Oh, I'm a mountain biker. But I'm getting into running and I'm really enjoying it. Oh, I love cycling. I'm all about gravel biking. And then I've got a challenge that I want to lay down for you. You don't have to do this, but I just want you to try it. Next time you introduce yourself to someone, do it like that. Introduce yourself as, you know, hello, my name is so-and-so. Uh, I really like, and I really like hill walking. Or I really like doing this, whatever it is. And insert hobby here. Rather than saying, oh, what do you do? Oh, yeah, I'm a banker, or I'm a manager, or I'm an IT consultant, or I'm a whatever. Say, oh, yeah, I do. What do you do? Well, I do, um, I like to do mountaineering. I really like climbing at the weekends, and, you know, I really like doing X, Y, and Z. Try to introduce yourself in that sense. Because when we look at this identity, you end up working harder on what that identity is. Because we can all get swept away on our jobs. And quite frankly, the model of employment is to pay you as little as possible to get you to do as much as possible. I heard a beautiful argument for this. Um, it was a beautiful argument of employment. You shouldn't be the last one at work. You shouldn't be the first one to arrive. Because employment is getting to pay you as little as possible to do as much as possible. So quite rightly, you should be the last one to arrive, the first one to leave, to do the base minimum possible that's down on your contract, because you're doing your job. I love that, I love that so much, because that means that you've got more time and energy to work on yourself, to bring about the results that you want, to be the person that you want. I'm not saying you should all go and get, you know, jack in your jobs and quit tomorrow. As much as I've had a lot of conversations with people over the years that have resulted in them leaving their jobs to do something better. But what I'm saying is that we should detach that part of our identity from the majority of who we think we are. Bear with me here. I'm going around the mountain a little bit here. But 
as we are going through this journey, folks, you need to identify more with what you love to do, how you express yourself, who you are. Because you work for a third of your life, right? Eight hours a day, let's say. Unless it's a third of your life. It's very dramatic. It's not really a third of your life. But, you know, you work for that percentage. That's not a massive percentage compared to the rest. And you could say, oh, when I sleep for a third of my life. Yeah, great. But that's not working. You are not working for two-thirds of your life by that maths. So the majority of your life is defined by what you value, what you enjoy to do, what you love to do. Connecting with people, expressing yourself, getting out there, doing adventurous things to being cool. Going out to Scotland, going cycling. Getting out and cycling the length of Wales. Doing cool things in the mountains, bagging Munros. Building towards that mountain leader, to that Welsh 3000s. Building to that ultramarathon, that big bike ride. You're just doing cool things. You're going out there and expressing yourself. Going nice places, doing cool things, as the OutKit slogan goes. The more we can identify with that, the more we'll work harder on it. Because you need to be working harder on yourself than you are on your job. Because, quite frankly, folks, your job is a constant. Your job is there. How you are outside your job is so much more important. Your habits, your routine, your structure, your life, your social life, getting around friends. Because, honestly, folks, you know, I'm sure you'll agree here, when you get stressed, if you're in a relationship, or maybe you're not in a relationship, but this is the sort of thing that you are addressing, what's the first thing that goes down the toilet when you are massively stressed? Think about it. What do you think it is? Usually, it's intimacy. If we're being honest, folks, usually it's intimacy. It's the last thing you want to do. When you're stressed out, when your environment has stress in it, evolutionarily, that's not what human beings want to do. So that's the first thing to go down the toilet. That's the first place that people think they're broken. And then outside of that, then the rest of the relationship starts to sour because we don't feel like we're connecting with people as best as possible. And outside of relationships, this could be our friends. Obviously, you're not intimate with your friends, but like it could be your friends. It could be you going out to socialise for that purpose, just not feeling it, just not wanting to do that sort of thing. Then your hobbies start to go down the toilet and you start to replace it with just TV time and festering and general things. Bad habits come into play here. And that's because we've stopped working on ourselves. Because maybe we're overworking ourselves in our jobs. And it's it's something to really be careful about what it is that you're thinking and, and how you're acting here. Because you want to be cognizant of this. If you are working harder on your job than on yourself, something needs to change. Something needs to change. I'm going to leave you with that. Team, I'm going to give you two minutes. Comment your biggest takeaway in the comments, just so that I know, so that I've got you still awake here uh, watching me in this video. And if you're listening to this on the podcast, then message it, put it in hyper support. What's your biggest takeaway? What are you thinking about most after this particular podcast? Because I'd love to know. I'd love to know what sticks, what isn't sticking, so that we can look at altering this message as we go forward, but also understanding that these are the messages that I really do feel people need to hear. It's all fine and good to dial in your calories and up your exercise. If the rest of life has gone to shit, then that's where we need to be putting our attention. Not calories and bloody protein. If everything else has gone to pot, we need to be making sure that we're looking after ourselves. We need to be making sure that we're getting that time out. We're giving time for ourselves. So there we are, team. Comment away if you're still here. If you've got time and you're able to do so, please do. Let me know your biggest takeaway. I'm going to give you 15 seconds. 
and then we'll close off this call. But as always, team, thank you so very much for your attention. But do comment away, let me know, make sure I'm not talking to myself. Absolutely, Sarah. Final message really hit hard. A lot to think about. It is. But also, Sarah, think about the journey you've come on over the last few months. Look how far you've come. You've come from somebody who has literally been in bed with your job to now, you know, you're going off mountain biking. I can see you posting pictures with a massive, great big smile on your face and some sunshine on some trails. That brings so much joy to my heart. You're getting out there and running. You're doing new things. You're, you're, this is brilliant. You're looking after yourself. There's always room for improvement. We are always, always broken. Not in a bad way. There's just always things to improve. And that's the beauty of development. But now it's time to think about it. Work balance is the hardest thing. So important. Yeah, 100%. It is the hardest thing. Because you think, well, I'm getting paid for this. But ultimately, folks, a lot of you here have got paying jobs, salary jobs. Quite frankly, that's not going to change. But the amount of work that you put in 15 minutes after 5 p.m., but that 15 minutes could be your commute home, which is now 15 minutes later, which means dinner's 15 minutes later, which means other things spill over. And it's things to really dive into to understand. If you're busybodying yourself at work, think about why. What are you trying to achieve? I don't mean this in a bad way. I mean physically, actually, genuinely, what are you trying to achieve? Get it out. Get it out of your head where you're thinking about it. Put it on paper. Work through it systematically. You get to the end of the day, switch off. As soon as this call's over and I've uploaded it onto the podcast, my phone goes off. I am not reachable after 8pm. So there we go, team. I'm going to leave you with that. Thank you so much for all of your attention. Um, I appreciate um, I appreciate your patience with uh, getting past the technical issues to start off with.